We are the ink to the page, Japan land the punch. On a mana pia boom pal, we got the stuff. We know they got story, been new, they got hard complex narratives and black carries. Tell me where they see us. Where I see us, where where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, not they wanna be us. At the damn cage, like a nigga from Georgia, insane and after brain and lacking in origin. At the flashbacks and shots to the system, downloading new issues and sitting for a listen. Where I see us, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, now they wanna be us. They wanna be us. They, they, they wanna hey. be us. Where I see us. Where, hey, where, where I see us. Where I see us. Where, where all the black people at, man. Where I see us. Where I see us. Hello. Hello, hello. Hey, how are you? I am doing good. Feeling feeling good. That's good. I got that uh that, that one that one um one thirty uh PM boost in energy. Is that a joke? <laughs> it is absolutely a joke. I am good but tired. <laughs> oh, it's like, um, I don't think that happens at one thirty. <laughs> no, that 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 prime time one thirty. Ooh, <laughs> gotta gotta get up and dance a little bit. Um, no, I'm doing good though. How how are you? I'm doing good too. Um, still like thinking about our last episode with Sebastian. That was really great. <laughs> Big fan, big, uh, big, uh, he's just so cool. He just be knowing. He really, he really do. Like, he just came with all the, all the facts, all the, like, directors and, and writers and everything. So, couldn't ask for a better guest. No, I agree. I agree. And his list of recommendations, pretty, uh, pretty solid. Yeah. Gonna, gonna be set for a while. <laughs> Well, welcome back, you guys, to Where I See Me. This is the podcast where we look at comics and media with lots of questions in mind, mainly where the hell are all the black and brown people? And so I'm Jamie. And I am Marcellus. And so today we're going to be talking about a little bit of like Afrofuturism. I am going to be making a case for why Drexia is better than Wakanda. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can feel I can feel the the in the heat from from beyond the I can feel it from the future. I can feel it. <laughs> I mean, I guess we should talk about Wakanda first. I mean, everyone kind of knows Wakanda is now because of the success of the movie Black Panther, which that movie came out in like 2000, I think 16. Mm, no, 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 no. It came out yeah, later. It was later. It was later. It was like maybe 20, tw- like near the end of 2017. Yeah, I, I just looked it up. 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, of course, no Ryan Coogler's Black Panther. Um, and I guess an overview of that movie, if you haven't seen it by now, um, we've been doing. Exactly. <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> It's on. It was on uh, Netflix for a really long time until you know Disney Plus now has all of the Marvel movies on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know if you haven't seen it, you know, do yourself a favor and watch it. I mean, I know I said in the last episode Thor Ragnarok is my favorite uh, Marvel movie, but Black Panther Black Panther is in my top five. It's in my top five. I won't give it a number, but it's. (laughs) (laughs) You said I will not be attacked on the internet. Um. No, that's fair though. Um, 
But yeah, so what what were you saw Black? How many times have you seen Black Panther? I only watched it twice. I wasn't really. I I gotta be honest. Black Panther is not in my top Marvel movies. Ooh, uh, tell us for a lot of reasons. But I think out of any Marvel movie, though, in more recent times, it certainly has a a certain amount of love and care to it that I am. I'm in love with that. I'm in love with the the. I think what they did to make the movie happen more than I am the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's kind of a situation where it's a story that definitely needs to be told. So like whether or not I like it doesn't change. I think the importance of it um, on some level, but there's, I just, I don't know, there's so many things that I want to nitpick with it. <laughs> and I think uh, you'll get the chance. Like once we start, once we fully dive into this episode, I think you'll get the chance to make those nitpicky things about it. <laughs> um, but as we were talking, for some reason, um, I'm still thinking about the last episode. Who you know? Who I kind of want to see direct a Marvel movie? Who? Boots Riley. Oh, oh, oh there's no <laughs> way he do that. There's no way. If if Disney tried to even like send him a letter, he'd burn that shit I know. so fast. I know, but I still kind of want it. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. Oh my god, there is no way. Not even that they wouldn't let him, he just wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because you lose a lot of your control. I think parenting with or parenting. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of like <laughs> when you partner <laughs> with Disney. Um, there's such a big entity that you know they have their way of doing things that they need to stay on brand with, and so they'll venture out and do other things. You know that is marketable, like a marketable risk. That's what know? happened with Ant Man, though. Really? That movie was uh, the first half of it was directed or like a good chunk of it was directed by um, uh, shoot <sighs> I am losing his name in my head he did uh, like Scott Pilgrim and the Shaun of the Dead movies a British director um, did a uh, Hot Fuzz I'm trying to think what is his name um, but they, they chose him cause they were like, oh, you know, he's, does, he's pretty good with comedy. He's a pretty, um, uh, good writer and director himself. He's a young guy. Okay. Let's bring him in here. And like most of the humor comes out of like some of that writing and the way he directs it. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do a very specific way of like, well, it doesn't have to be like punch, punch, punch the big bad guy. Like we can do something else. Right. And Disney was like, ah! talking some uh poo poo stink y'all know if i like what he's saying and he was like well if you don't like it then i'll just leave and they went you won't leave and he left (laughs) um and they had to bring on another director oh so i can only imagine what what boots Riley would do (laughs) he'd get to the he'd get to the first meeting and be like i'm doing this and they're like um can you do no I'm doing this. They're like, okay, well, um, we we have gonna terminate this track contract that we just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> just crumple it up. But but yeah, so I mean, going back to Black Panther, even though I would really love to see a Boots Riley Marvel. Or maybe, okay, maybe how we were talking about before, um, boots that there aren't as many superhero movies. 
like there were like tons of westerns back in the day like westerns were like my family a lot of my family still watches westerns like yeah, my mom yeah. my mom still watches rawhide she still what my grandma watches the rifleman um they all watch gunsmoke <laughs> gunsmoke <laughs> gunsmoke is one of the longest running television shows ever like period you literally see the characters age on that show <laughs> oh, god like miss kitty starts off as like this young, like maybe 20 something saloon girl. And now she's like the madam of the saloon girl towards the end and, or madam of the saloon, so madam of the saloon girl. <laughs> madam <laughs> of the saloon towards the end. And she's like in her forties maybe, or 50, maybe like early fifties. It's, it's wild to see that like the show, there's so many episodes, just so many. Um, but Westerns were so much a part of like, 20th century I feel like Americana oh yeah and this 21st century we're in I don't know if we have like a defined identity in that in that same way yeah I'm not sure yet I mean superhero movies for sure because it's so I remember watching a what there was some kind of like you know YouTube has those little videos that people make they're like making a case for this they're making a case for Blade which we need to do an episode on Blade oh no, already. No. <laughs> <laughs> we no. typed that up in our, in our shared doc now. Um, <laughs> but they were making the case for Blade because there had been superhero movies before, like with Christopher Reeves as Superman and like yeah, different iterations of Batman and like all that stuff. And like people, they were kind of like wacky and you didn't really take them too seriously. It was just kind of like cutesy, um, almost like campy. But, yeah, a little campy. Um, but Blade. Oof. Blade Blade was a good movie. Wesley. And like Wesley Snipes, <laughs> that was a really good movie. And like that, people are saying that that movie is what told Marvel Studios, like, yes, this is a viable route. Like you can make yeah. more comic book movies and you should continue to do this. Because that movie, it was good. I mean, I tried to watch the second blade, but it it was it was a lot of like I don't know if they switched directors or what happened, but it was like they were, it was a lot of like gore. Yeah. And the first, the first one had gore, but it had more substance. Like it wasn't just gore just for the sh- shock value of gore on the screen. And I'm just like, I'm not with all these vampires exploding and stuff like this. Like <laughs> I turned it off. I'm like, I can't do it, but. That is not what I signed up for. It's not what I signed up for, but it would be really great if there was a, a Drexia movie movie as well. I don't know if there's a Drexia comic book. I feel like there might be. Um, but as we're getting back on, on track. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about Black Panther. It came out in 2018. Directed by Ryan Coogler. Um, Chadwick Boseman plays the Black Panther. He plays T'Challa. Um, and it's basically... It's it's like I don't want to say it's like diaspora wars on screen, but I mean it's got some it's got some diaspora wars um, energy to it in that you know Wakanda is this this secret it's not a secret country it's a nation it's this imaginary nation in Africa right that the outside world thinks it's just like a bunch of like it's very rural it's a bunch of sheep farmers I think is one of the lines from one of the movies mm. but they're a highly advanced nation where they have like um 
vibranium 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 is the metal right that that is it it's comes from their soil yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it's like hidden in their earth right and so because of that they have these huge technological advances over the rest of the world but they keep it secret like they keep it to themselves and so you have that aspect of the movie right the this grand splendor of this this black nation that has been untouched by europe um which also kind of gives me a little bit of like ethiopia vibes but not quite mm. because the italians did try they really tried it they tried it they tried it but they were not successful <laughs> um they were not successful at all like um and success of course is depending on where you're standing in this in history um but you know Wakanda, of course, is, is keeping all of their technological advances to themselves. So they have very heavy isolationism, isolationism um, attitude, right? Mm. But then you have um, Michael B. Jordan's character, Eric Killmonger, who we find out in the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie at this point, like, I'm not even, I mean, look. You cannot be mad. You cannot you be mad. Be, you can't be mad. There were so many think pieces that came out after it. Like, you can't be mad. But Eric Killmonger, we find out, is basically the Black Panther's cousin. Like, it's his cousin, right? Mm-hmm. And T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, had a brother who was undercover in the U.S., but kind of, but living in the U.S. so long, he realized that black people in the outside of Wakanda how how much we were suffering and that they needed leadership and that every time we got leaders they'd kill our leaders right and he was his father knew this so he I can't remember and you please feel free to jump in don't let me just tell, tell <laughs> no, I'm trying to hear your 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 tales of past tell me tell me what you want to say <laughs> um so T'Challa goes I can't remember what his brother's name is in the movie but he goes to they were in uh they were in California, I want to say Oakland. Mm. He goes, he meets with his brother, he kills his brother, right? Because with the way the movie starts off, we think that the brother has betrayed the nation, right? Like that yeah. he has and in a way he has committed treason, right? Like he's supposed to keep it a secret, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mind you, if they wanted it to be a secret, they actually shouldn't have been flying around in a damn spaceship and landing on top of apartment buildings, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here nor there but they're supposed to keep the nation a secret we know that Eric Killmonger finds his father dead in the apartment Yeah, and his father had been telling him stories of Wakanda his whole life so he knows it's real and he knows oh, who yeah. did it like from, day, like from jump he knows who did it and so his entire drive has been getting to Wakanda in one way or another um, I will say I do like the how the movie is structured where you think that the there's the white guy who's the villain that you think he's going to be like this big force to reckon with in this film and he is not yeah they're like <laughs> he quickly he gets thrown to the side maybe like 45 <laughs> minutes into it it's it's claw claw is the um the villain the villain we think is going to be the villain but it ends up being killmonger right yeah, yeah, yeah. and that he challenges t'challa for the throne he knows where wakanda is he knows the rules he knows the rules and he challenges him you know and that whole fight sequence i mean like what was 
that was uh, what was your take on that? Because I I felt like the 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 fighting on the on the cliff near the the water sort of deal where like oh, yeah, like, um, I <laughs> I think my first my first thing is I love Forrest Whitaker <laughs> <laughs> so much. I love Forrest Whitaker, and so when I think of that scene, I only think about Forrest Whitaker for the most part because I just like. The strength of the Black Panther has been stripped away. <laughs> is is forever cemented in my head. Yes, um, there are so many memes of little kids like playing that part, like as dressed up as Boris Whitaker and holding a bowl. <laughs> oh god! Which I mean, that's the, one of the really great things about that movie is the representation. Now, like little black children have, they have like something to imagine and to play with instead yeah. of you know pretending to be Iron Man or whomever. Like, they have role, like, role models, I guess. Yeah, they can see themselves in that narrative. Exactly. But we were talking about the fight. fight Um, Yeah, but... (laughs) T'Challa. It's weird. Um, I think... I mean, from, like, a... Okay. (sighs) And this is the the hard part for me, because, like, my first... (laughs) <laughs> and it's what I appreciate about the conversation we have with uh, Sebastian is Sebastian I feel like he he has all this like encyclopedic on some levels knowledge or like mm-hmm. this really well well um, developed knowledge of comics but he also has again a lot of education um, and so hearing hearing a lot of things that you and him were, were bringing up I was like oh I hadn't really thought about that um but when I think about the question you're asking, my first thought goes to like within the realm of comics, I take issue with the way it went because mm-hmm. I don't think he really would have lost that kind of fight. It seems it. Well, I um, get the I get the the narrative reason for doing it, and I get like, oh, you know, he came, he he really came in your house, smacked your food at you, <laughs> and went, "That's my dinner." You're in my chair. <laughs> like it's disres- it's disrespectful, but I don't know. Like I feel like there was so much more they could have done to explore their relationship before that fight happened. Yeah. And it just seemed like I mean, he came in there with the mindset of like, I'm I'm gonna be the Black Panther. <laughs> like you about to, you about to speak to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but I think that there it was a missed opportunity. But I know, like, you got to move the story along some kind of way. So we make it. Yeah. Um, I feel like was Eric. So it makes me think, like, was Eric really stronger than T'Challa? Like, that's where I'm. I, and see, I don't think so. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think he was either. He had a lot of rage. Yeah, a lot he of rage. Did. Yeah, a lot of anger and like anger. In the words of of Orlando Jones from uh, American Gods, anger gets shit done. <laughs> it does indeed. It <laughs> and it got the job done. He got what he wanted, you know. But at what cost, right? Splitting this nation apart. But ultimately, right? Like the nation has to look like y'all created this monster that is Killmonger, and it, whether or not you see him as a monster, you know that could be totally debatable. Because I don't, I completely understand his perspective. Like, I get it. 
he's a product of of their neglect of the outside world absolutely not even the outside world the black people that live with the outside world absolutely you know like how can you it's very it's very like u.s isolation during like world i can't remember which world war we were like we're not like we just go sit here and not say do anything i mean we were trying to do that in world war ii we were like nah right not until they not until they bombed pearl harbor where people were like oh Y'all trying to come over here? <laughs> what you mean? What you mean? You we said pull up. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. What's, what's, what's coming, the address? Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so to me, Wakanda feels very like American in that sense, even though it is an African nation. Mm. Because a lot of, from what I've, I've been studying, so part of my my MFA program or my MFA thesis, like I studied a lot of African spirituality and philosophy. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but from what I've gotten is that that isolationism is not, that's not an African trait. Like, and I know Africa, like as we said before, is not a country, it's a continent, but throughout the continent, there are varying degrees of community. And like, I, I am because we, you, we are, right? Like, I uphold you, you uphold me, mm. we help each other, right? And I don't get that sense from Wakanda at all. Like, the fact that they're hiding their resources. Like, they were strong enough to defend their resources. Okay. But, I, but I, in the same vein as I'm making this case against them, like, I could see people doing some sneak, like, they had, there was a whole tesseract that was out, out <laughs> in, you know, in play, that was in play that could have been used against them to gather more vibranium, like, I mean, I get it. I get that. I get it in that regard. But still, to me, that isolationism is not an African principle. Um, and see, I think that really it, it leads back to the idea of going like we like with Drexia being created by like it's you know music involved, mm-hmm. and it's this sort of more or less black invention. Mm-hmm. Wakanda, white people made Wakanda up. See, there you go. <laughs> So I feel like problem well, number like, one. Because <laughs> I won't. I, I'm. 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 I have to like. I'll see if I can look it up really quick. But just even thinking about the fact that um the Black Panther was written and early association. Like I think they even say it in that book I, I gave you before. But like the idea that he's. He's his name is the Black Panther, but he is like, oh, but the Black Panthers, nah, nah, mm-hmm. not really. Like, there's so many other sections of like Black thought and Black, I guess, the the functioning of being a minority that he interacts with mm-hmm. in the early comics that they they have been, but there's this lack. It's not like this is the African perspective on what it is to be black in America. Because he goes around the world, but it's like this sort of like, (laughs) it does come from like, at the end of the day, capitalism or the US, that's the way, like that that thought process of like, this is the way, this is the truth. Mm. But then they, I don't know, it's so weird the way that character has changed and developed, but the fact that the society is set up the way it is, Mm -hmm. is unavoidably from that source material that, that very early like yeah 
Because even in the comic book, he switched like when the black when the actual Black Panther Party was on the rise. Like they switched his name in the comic books to like the Black Leopard, didn't they? They try. They try. Yeah, they tried to like switch it out and like. <laughs> they didn't want to be associated with the with the Black Panther Party, and it's like, what? Like really? Are you really? It kind of it kind of makes me think of like. Um, and I was thinking of this too when Sebastian was talking last episode when we were talking about like Charles Xavier against Magneto um, and people trying to like make this kind of distinction between the two of them. But this particularly makes me think of um, that video clip that was going around on Twitter of Bill Clinton at John Lewis's funeral oh, trying, to throw, talk, trying to talk trash about Kwame Ture. Yeah. And basically trying to like, basically say we want to associate with this form of black liberation. Like we like, we like this kind that John Lewis was doing and not this kind that Kwame Ture was about. And I think that, first of all, that's dumb as hell. Like don't you, white people do not get to decide black liberation. Like, I'm sorry, you just don't. Um, But then there's also another video clip around of like John Lewis at some, banquet honoring Kwame Ture so it's like you can't like how are you gonna do that at at the man's funeral like when he clearly like maybe they have differing views but like they were on the same page like black people need to be liberated how we get there of course people have lots of different plans for how we get there but to me I feel like that whole like divesting from um wanting to call it the Black Panther and moving to another name in the comic book feels, it gives me that energy. Like it makes me feel like they were like, oh, we don't want to be associated with this. Mm -hmm. We'll be associated (laughs) with that over here. Um, But, you know, also as a side note, (laughs) I don't know if this happened to you, but I had a lot of family members who had never, like they're not like into comics or whatever, but they wanted to go see the Black Panther movie and they thought the movie was going to be about the Black Panther Party. <laughs> I had several family members who thought that. And I was like, I was looking at them. And I'm like, I mean, I know y'all can't see the expression on my face, but I know Marcel oh, knows, I knows, knows, I know it. He knows what that I know exactly is. the face you're making. I'm just like, y'all, like there's a whole, like, there's so much more happening within the Black sphere. Mm-hmm. But I guess like to kind of, so with the way Black Panther ends, if you haven't seen it, going back to the film, Eric, Kill, Eric Killmonger is, is killed um, and tells T'Challa to throw his body into the ocean with his ancestors. Um, I don't, I did not say it word for word, but that was a very quotable line from the film. Um, and so moving into the ocean, you have Drexia. And so, if you are unfamiliar with Drexia, what it is, who they were, like you about to learn today. Um, and I'm not and like, once again, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an expert, but like. Resident I, Drexia historian, <laughs> Jamie Robertson. They're at the founding of the material, co-writer, <laughs> producer. No. <laughs> Um, so Drexia, of course, is a, you know, 1997, um, uh, is a group from the late nineties, early two thousands that was formed by, 
um, James Stinson, and I forget the other guy's name, um, but James Stinson, he passed away. Um, and so they are a techno group. So James Stinson and Gerald Donald, those are the founding members of Drexia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are a techno group, as I said. And if you didn't know, techno was born in Detroit. Um, it is a black invention. It is Afrofuturism in motion, in sonically in motion. And so um, if you think about Sun Ra and his orchestra and his films like Space is the Place and where he was going with jazz. And then the place. Yes. And George Clinton and the Parliament, Parliament, Mm. the Funkadelics, all of that stuff. It is a natural progress. If you really listen to it, it is a natural progression to techno. At least to me, it is. For oh, me, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and so they, Drexia is the name of the group. They had, they released an album in 1997 called The Quest. And the que- in the liner notes of The Quest, they talk about, they basically create this entire mythology for Drexia of where, who they are, where they're from. And even though, you know, Yes, we know they're from Detroit. But in the liner notes, they talk about Drexia being this auto- underwater um, society or nation mm-hmm. in the Atlantic Ocean that was formed by the babies of the women, of the pregnant African women who were thrown overboard during the transatlantic slave trade. And so because these babies have never known air, like they've learned to breathe on the water and have created this advanced society. And so Drexia is pretty much in a way creating the soundtrack of this society um which that is absolutely to me that is like super fascinating to create that mythos because at first when I first came across it I was watching a art 21 episode with Ellen Gallagher who's a painter mm-hmm. um she had a series called watery aesthetic and she talks about Drexia and so I googled I was like what is I'm like what is this I'm like and I'm at first, I'm thinking like this is a real myth, the myth that comes from Africa, and it's not. It was like these these black men in Detroit came up with this mythology on their own. Like this is what they this is what they made of where they're from, and to me, Drexia has so much more potential and so mm-hmm. much more um, to give to blackness than I think Wakanda does. Um, it's so, also just it's a beautiful invention because it doesn't serve at least in my mind especially when listening listening back to like the the like when you um, show me where I could listen to like the, the quest and, and everything mm-hmm. to it with that in mind and then looking at some of the, the liner notes that I was able to find it just feels I don't know it, like I could imagine like a relative, like an older relative, telling me like this, like I grew up hearing this story, like you know, like yeah, I'm not being pandered to. I'm being told, like in, in some sense, like especially the fact that the songs, I mean, especially with it being sort of this uh, electronic music, and a lot of times, like you might hear a voice here and there, you might hear maybe some like bits of of almost like poetry or dialogue in this sense that they're like these kind. Of, somewhat human voices but it's mostly it's mostly just electronic sounds mm-hmm. you're absorbing culture to something that you only you you're it's like this forgot this forgotten history 
and like you get the, the your first chance to 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 interact with it is this album. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. And so I I have always been like, I think I once had in my Instagram stories like Drexiera Wakanda, and uh, one of my <laughs> one of my friends was like, I'm gonna pick Wakanda because I don't know them niggas in Drexiera. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like okay. <laughs> I was like, good luck with that. I'm going to go, I'm going to rock with Drexia. Um, <laughs> even though, because I'm like, the, the sea, for me personally, the ocean, I have so much respect for the ocean and also so much fear of it um, because of all of all the life that it holds and things we, there's so much we don't know about it. Um, the potential of drowning, but also the potential of like life giving. And so the idea that there's a whole society underwater that's thriving, I think is, is amazing. Um, I was watching a, a lecture last night, kind of in preparation, I guess, for this episode oh. by, <laughs> by Ingrid LaFleur. And she's talking about, she's using Drexia and Dogon um, cosmology as an intersection for the water crisis in Detroit and Flint, Michigan. Um, and I'll send it to you. I'll we'll you know we'll, do. we will link it for everyone so that everyone can enjoy um, Ingrid Lafleur's words because she was really she was really great. Um, but I forget where I was going with this. I lost my train of thought. Um, what was I saying before I mentioned? Because because you were bringing up the idea like um, the 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 notion of you. <laughs> Like when you were putting on your um uh, on your story and talking about uh you know uh, Drexia or Wakanda mm-hmm. and you had um somebody like well I don't know them I don't know them niggas <laughs> <laughs> right um so I kind of remember what she was okay I know where I was going so she in her in her talk she she mentioned that you know a lot of African spirituality has been focusing a lot on the Yoruba path pantheon and um. So the Orishas from the Yoruba, like Yamanya, who's of the ocean, Oshun, who's of the water or the rivers and sweet waters. Um, Oshun is a, Oshun gets a lot of um, visualization, I think, a lot because of Beyonce mm-hmm. in, in in the U.S. Um, within you know the within popular culture and within Black pop, popular culture. I, of course, I know. I mean, I know of course that there are people who practice. Um, different African spirituality who are like, we've been on this forever. And, and absolutely you have been, but you know, there is this wave that's happening where people are getting more in tune with old, um, not even old, cause it's always been there. It's just mm. been, you know, in, in secret or practice and secret um, African spirituality practices. A lot of people focus a lot on the Yoruba because it was so, it's so prevalent in the, the Americas, but Ingrid LaFleur was talking about how she feels that, you know, these women were thrown overboard and their babies were, they never knew air. So like you're coming out of the womb of water into another, another body of water. And that she feels that Yamanya took care of these, this, this society and it's probably like a big part of it. Um, and so I just think that it's it's better. <laughs> it's be- I mean, it just gives me more to work with. Like this is a group of people who never knew slavery, for one, never knew. I mean, they knew the transatlantic slave trade, mm. 
mm-hmm. right? The trade of it, but the actual like having to do the labor, they did not do this, right? And maybe not even because if it's the babies, then the babies, you know, they were their their first knowing of things is in the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know what? And it it gives you so many possibilities. Like, what could ha- what? How could black people have had advanced had Europe not like chaotically intervened and like disrupted everything? Because because even when you when you again like you know it's a uh that comparison to, to Wakanda on some level, even they, they, they're high, they hide, they still interact, but they are actively hiding. Yes. It is a choice. They made a choice. And, and Drexia just has this very much like, mm, we chilling. Cause y'all were, y'all were on something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I I think I that does come from a much more. I'm tempted to use the word like productive place when thinking of of of, of these other histories that you could mm-hmm. generate this the the, the, the mythos. Uh, I feel, <laughs> I'm just, I feel like I'm out of my depth in terms of like the 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 knowledge of of what within the um the spiritual sort of uh realm like what what it leans on and like what what the the pros and cons of of something unfamiliar being yeah. discussed via music when like you had like you said like beyonce and all these other like pop popular culture is like tapping this vein right now mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't know if that means that mm, i guess the way that i take in like taking in this album compared to with, with, with you having done um, research already, like I wonder if I'm like, mm, if I if I knew if I knew X Y Z, would I be like mm, this particular track's name hits me just right? I think I mean I don't know if you necessarily have to have a lot of of research into it because when they presented this, they just presented it out in the world, right? Like the group. Mm-hmm. But so many scholars, like academics, have like really latched on to this idea of this Black Atlantis. Um, that you know, there's all these subsequent writings and things like that, and all these all these imaginings and speculative speculative things, which is all very it's Afrofuturism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, imagining the future with Black people in which we're not dealing with white supremacy, where we're dealing. Like what? Like what will we do? Like we'll love you. Like we'll have so many other things open to us, right? In the future, like to advance as a culture and as a, as as a group. I think I don't think like I don't think you have to necessarily have all the 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 background info for it. Because I I love the like the communal aspect of the fact that um, scholars adding on to it. I guess I was just curious, like what what when I think about that kind of birth of the idea when like you said they put it out put it out into the world Mm -hmm. wondering how much of what they planned and like because it was like it was like eight eight albums right that they like did this sort of or eight projects i think they they told this story Uh i think so i think so yeah um I wonder how much they had planned originally and how much of the the people reflecting on it like influence them i guess i guess that just makes me curious about what where does the beginning 
um, start for them and in this sort of like this new, I guess, new chapter in exploring like spirituality and like a, a, another re- reimagining of society? That's a good question. I mean, I know like, so, you know, James, they, Drexia, one half of Drexia passed away. James Stinson passed away in the early 2000s. Um, and so the other, Gerald Donald, uh, and yeah, I got his name. I was like, make sure I got his name right. Because I don't want to be out here saying people's names wrong. Um, you know, Gerald Donald um, is still making music and still, uh, I think, releasing things as Drexia. And like the mythology has just, it's gone even further. It's gone to the point where now it's like they're in outer space. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so like, Techno, of course, like is like as we said earlier, like going from like Sun Ra to the Parliament, and like all of that was very like outer space driven, um, and and make you know, and then techno, of course, is like space sounds in a way too. But also another draw of it that was pointed out was that you know Detroit is the Motor City. They had the the factories for all of the cars and like the sounds from the factories like after after a while like that becomes kind of melodic in a way and that contributes to the also contributes to the birth of techno as well um but yeah i think like where can this go in the future i would i mean there's so many options like what happens if like drexia like lifts if they're living on like some le- like mass under the ocean, like if it just just floats to the top one day, and like now we are dealing, <laughs> we have this whole new nation to interact with. Like, how will how will we interact with them? How will it work? Right? How do, how do these worlds live with each other for the first time. Yes, I would be so curious about interactions between Drexia and and Wakanda, and like how diplomacy wise, like the mentality bet- between the two nations. Because I don't know if, if there was a soundtrack, I mean, there was a Black Panther soundtrack, like an album that Kendrick Lamar curated. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, if we're going off that being <laughs> being the soundtrack and like taking the quest, like how do those two things, I mean, they seem so uncomparable. Let's get Kendrick Lamar in uh, and, your buddy <laughs> George, and your buddy George on the podcast. Let's have <laughs> talk about their their conceptual approaches <laughs> i think they i mean shoot i don't know if they're doing anything. i don't think they're doing anything right now <laughs> i mean who i mean who who is right um we're in quarantine allegedly in quarantine because some people are running around like nothing happened but next episode kind of margo meow <laughs> don't <laughs> <laughs> manifestation Manifestation. I don't even know what I would ask Kendrick Lamar. I I don't even know what questions to ask him. But if he wants to be on the show, then hit us up. He, we're on Twitter. Um, he can talk to our people. Our people will tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so in preparation for this episode, we both did like um, we both listened to the music for Drexia. Um, you did you? How did you? Um, what was your your impressions of it? I was vibing. I was <laughs> I was vibing out. I was sad myself. I had a little I had a little snicky snack. I had a uh, uh, some tea. I had some um some three ginger tea. It was very good. It was very warm. I was very calm. 
Um, and I just sat, uh, listened on my phone with, with like headphones. Um, I lay down on my bed. It started off that first track. What was that first track called? It was like, I'm going to look up the name because very specifically, I just looked at it and I was like, I don't know what that's going to. Oh, the first track? Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be. I don't know what I'm going to experience. So and there's like there's like an interlude, right? And then the first track is you don't even know or you don't know. It was like, um, I'm trying to remember because it was the interlude is what got me. I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> we're we're uh, things are happening. The story is starting. uh but there was like this uh, where in the hold on i have it right here (laughs) yeah you 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 don't know is what kind of like at first i was like oh is this okay i i feel like i'm meditating I feel like I'm running at the same time. <laughs> um, and then like the way it transitions almost not abruptly, but kind of just like the sort of like, now that you know, you don't know dehydration. Um, and, <laughs> and just the sort of like, there's so much of, of, of the, of the album, like, especially towards like the middle when mm-hmm. it gets towards like uh what what song was it An- anti vapor waves and then immediately like th- maybe two three songs later like aquatic beta particles mm-hmm. i was like it just felt like the wind behind me pushing me forward like almost like a current like i really did start to feel kind of like i was trying to swim mentally mm-hmm. through all these all these things and getting like thrown around but getting to kind of see this beautiful landscape in my mind like in the thing with the notes in mind of course um but i was just like i couldn't even if i was like i need to get up and use the restroom or my apartment's on fire i would have been like no i have to finish the album first <laughs> um because it is you could play one song and really like one song but it just feels like a a more experienced sort of it feels complete which was really cool yes I would I would definitely agree with that like it takes you you definitely feel like you're on a journey like I was listening to this before bed which I don't recommend (laughs) (laughs) right like if you're trying to like like get cozy and go to bed and like do some like listen to something this is not the album (laughs) For you at all this is like like maybe if you're getting up in the like if you're getting up in the morning you need some like drive motivation like that current that push to get you to go do it speed on the highway yes this is it <laughs> this is it um but there are like some ones that i really like so that kind of like they start off sounding one way and then it kind of just just went in a whole nother way like sea snake Mm. Was doing it started it had like this like a, like it was like a folk kind of sound at first and then it was like nope techno and then it just went like, <laughs> it just like jumped right <laughs> right you into thought. it and I'm like I was like this is great because it also I could imagine like those sea snakes that are those videos of those sea snakes swimming mm-hmm. and like the movement of that song like you feel like it's 
they were really like doing a whole nother thing. Like it's, uh, it's just that great. And so, you know, like trying to imagine what this civilization would, would be like through this music is very thoughtful. Yeah. And even like the names, like the mutant Gilman as, (laughs) (laughs) as, as one of the tracks, um, I don't know what Lardosian means. I, I tried to look it up, and the only thing that comes up is this album. Lardosian funk. Like, they, they might, I mean, if there's someone, if that means something within the realm of, like, the ocean, they might have just made it up. It's possible. Which I but love like, even more. I know. I, I, I think one of the things I really love about Drexia is, like, how innovative this is like as as an album first like as a techno album right uh when people are talking about technical techno in detroit they're talking about like how everyone's taking you into outer space but drexia took you under under the ocean right Mm. it's so innovative right as music like musically but then you have this entire mythology that they've built around it which is so fascinating and just gives you so much room i think as like for artists, for anyone really to just kind of play around with this and see like what can like what can we imagine about all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I yeah, it's it's just it's really great. And I I think, you know, going back to Black Panther, like the imagining of Wakanda and what this really advanced society looks like, it's 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 like it's still kind of and I'm thinking about this. There was this article that I recently read about the legend of Korra um, that talked about how it, the world building in legend of Korra is not as great as Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, it's restricted. It's very restricted to Republic City. And they're like, well, why is Republic City, which is basically New York, like a mishmash <laughs> of New York. Um, maybe San Francisco because they have that bridge and island kind of combo combo thing happening. Yeah. Um, why they're like, why are white people still being projected as the future? Right. And so with Wakanda, I feel like, you know, we we've already established white people made Wakanda. Like this was an, a white invention that black people we have latched onto and made for our own now. Like we have the vision of Ryan Coogler. And also, but also Tanahasi Coast, who's writing the Black Panther, um, the the comic book, who's yeah, doing like, yeah, the magic yeah. of it, right? Um, but I just wonder, like, how can Black people see themselves outside of capitalism? Like, I really, we talk about capitalism on every episode of the show. Because it, <laughs> it be present every damn time. <laughs> it, it is, right? Um, but I just want to know, like, what would a world look like without that mm. um and I, I feel like i need to watch black panther again to really look at the environment the setting to see if there are any traces of that there i feel like ryan ryan coogler would have been careful about it but ryan coogler is also he's african-american yeah, yeah, yeah. in the u.s so like even if you think that even though as black people we are different like our culture is different from like the mainstream american culture but which they, you know, kind of just bite off our, like, take our stuff and consume it. Uh, <laughs> but we're still socialized in Western thinking about the world. And, like, it, it's that kind of, like, double consciousness that W.B. Du Bois was talking about. Like, you know, 
he was more talking about like the awareness that I am black, I am myself, but then mm-hmm. also I know how I'm seen by these by this other person, you by white people. Like they have the ability to be able to do that, right? Um there's also I think like dang, I keep losing my train of thought. I had caffeine before we started this episode, and I think <laughs> it is not in my benefit. But I think that um with the creation of, you know, oh, I know. Okay, I know where I was going. Y'all, I apologize. We are um, here. We are right <laughs> Well, you know, Kugler being socialized in the U.S., like, even though we have this double consciousness of, like, being Black, there's still an American aspect of it. I usually always say, like, when somebody does, when a Black person does some stuff and it's like, they don't seem right. I'm like, that's that American part in African-American coming <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's what that is. Like, that's that part that's coming up. Like, you know, and so I, as much as I, I trust Kugler to, like, create a Black vision, there is, like, still traces of the Americanness, the whiteness that will come through sometimes in our, in our, in our stories. And so with Drexia, I mean, this is some, I mean. <laughs> this is bad. They are uh, home, home brewed. Special made, custom fit. Not a doesn't. There's not a trace of 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 the. I don't want to say. You know, I'm gonna say it. Um, the selfishness in that narrative. It's like explorative. I mean, it be, beginning with survival. It's just like ex- constantly expanding. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't uh. No, I agree. I I think that's that's what kind of pushes us over into uh uh it's it's winning the race. <laughs> it's winning the battle. Um and so there there like I mentioned before there are a lot of scholars who talk about Drexia. People artists have used it as concepts in their work. I mentioned Ellen Gallagher. Um there was a film about Drexia, it was it was made by this yeah, but it wasn't okay. Let me let me let me just. <laughs> is it on Netflix? Where is it? <laughs> no, no, okay, but let me first let me first describe it. So there's there's several films called Drexia. What now the one that, <laughs> <laughs> the one that I'm about to describe is the one I've seen. I haven't seen the second one. So the second the one I'm talking about is by Simon Rittmeyer, who is a German man. He made a short film called Drexia mm-hmm. um, and it's from 2013. And so in the, in the film, the music, I mean, the music, it's not so much about the music of Drexia, the group, it's the con, it's the mythology of, of, of Drexia that they created. Okay. And so in this, in this film, it's a sci-fi film and in it, there's some great crisis in Europe and white people are fleeing Europe um, and they're going to Africa because they need as refugees and so there is this one and so of course whenever you have crises like this um where are huge humanitarian refugee crises there's always people trying to make a dollar off of it mm-hmm. you have um i guess what we would call in texas like at the border the coyotes who like try to get who get people across for a fee um there's a man who works as he works basically as I don't know another word for it, um, but basically works as a coyote and ferrying Europeans across and 
they're having to go across like the Mediterranean from what it seemed like. So it seems like Drexia was placed somewhere off the coast of Africa, like in the Mediterranean kind of area. Um, or I don't know, like it was somewhere off the coast of Africa, the way they were, they were positioning it. Um, but in the film, um, this white man, he's taking these other white people to Africa. There's a storm, the boat capsizes, and he's the only one that survives. And he ends up on the shore in Africa. And citizens of Drexia find him. And it's like out, it's shot in the desert, shot beautifully. It's shot on film. Like I think it, I don't think it's super eight, but it's it's shot on film and it's gorgeous to look at, like cinematically. Um and so like they use like different little things, trinkets to represent like that they're, um, Drexia is like this advanced society. Like they have this water, like they drink water out of a little pouch that looks like a Capri Sun pouch. Um, like we, we, we got some, we're advanced. Right. And so in the end, you know, he wants to go to Drexia and they're kind of like deciding whether or not they're going to take him or not. <laughs> um, but I think it's like how you get there. Like you, it's off a cliff. Like you're, it's off a cliff overlooking the ocean and you step, you just, I think you take like a leap. And if at this point, if, if any of you have heard this, have seen this movie and know what I'm talking about, I may be describing it wrong, but that's okay because memory, what is it? Um, <laughs> I don't recall. I do. <laughs> but like, you never actually see Drexia. We never mm. actually see it. We do like, once the man crosses the threshold, it's it's like this act of faith. Like there's this blinding light you have to take to get there. We see like a rock roll away and there's like some water and you see people walking around like in these kind of futuristic clothes or black black people walking around these futuristic clothes and we, we assume that he's arrived in Drexia. And the film kind of ends that way. So this whole film is about him, I guess, earning the trust of this of these people in order for them to take him back to their home and whether or not they should and like should they be invested it's a it's an interesting concept um I think that for me it was a lot to unpack like you have this white this German man making a film about a mythology from Detroit Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know and I'm just kind of like okay the fact that this mythology has stretched all the way across to Europe, I think shows the impact and the power of it. And that there's lots of people still like trying to make, um, and like Simon Rittmeyer, he's, he's a white German man. He's not, he's not like, you know, a black person living in Germany. He's, he's a white German man who, who made this film, um, and so you just kind of, I wonder about, like, there's so much potential for it because Drexia, the group, they gave us, they gave us the line, like, the basis for the bones, the skeleton of what this mythology is, but there's so much space for you to just kind of reimagine what that world could be like. God. Got me. <laughs> Got me all excited. For like, where where am I gonna get a? Where am I gonna get a? Shoot, forget forget Marvel for a minute. Let me get some. Uh, <laughs> I want to know about like a small family in Drexia. Shoot, give me give me give me ten movies. Give me some books. 
give me a give me a full full experience. I need the I need the 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 top to bottom. Mm-hmm. God, man. And then so there's apparently another Drexia film that's made by a Ghanaian um, director, Akosa Adoma Owusu. Um, and I'll just read the synopsis right quick. And so for this one, I guess I could have read the synopsis for the other one, but it's more fun to try and reimagine it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the <laughs> Ghanaian uh, Drexia, uh, Drexia portrays mm-hmm. an abandoned public swimming facility located in Accra, Ghana, set on the Riviera. The Riviera at one time was an upscale development consisting of luxury high-rises and five-star hotels. Since the 1970s, the Riviera has fallen into a disheveled state. This short documentary was inspired by Afrofuturist myths propagated by the underground Detroit-based band Drexia. They suggest that Drexia is a mythical underwater subcontinent populated by the unborn children of African women thrown overboard during the transatlantic slave trade. These children have adapted to and evolved to breathe underwater. So that synopsis of this documentary doesn't really give you a lot of what, what's happening in this in this particular documentary, but mm-hmm. it's not as sci-fi, like they're using a sci-fi element to tell the story of this of this particular area. Um, it's just like a it's like a vehicle to 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 navigate that sort of that space. Absolutely. And okay. so you know, that's in- I mean that's interesting to think hmm. about. But I, I definitely want to see people tackle this more. I've seen drawings as if it was a comic book. Whether or not it is, I don't know. I'm gonna um, need I'm gonna need them. Because I've seen I've seen like illustrations. Yeah. Um I think let's see. I'm looking. I've seen because if you type in Drexia and cartoon, <laughs> um the book there is there is something called the book of Drexia. Uh, while the book of Drexia, a comic book exploring the Drexian mythology from the origin story to several hundred years after the founding of the Drexian Empire. So there is a comic. It's called and The Book of Drexia, Volume One. Purchased. <laughs> uh, let me see who it's by, because that, that 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 does change things. <laughs> Let's see. Uh... Uh, get a picture of a and this is the author picture of a man looks like um <laughs> looks like mr rogers um i'm i'm getting the name abdul kadim hak hmm. abdul no sounds no. like uh i don't recognize the name i feel like <laughs> I, could, I feel like someone will be mad at me um, you know who would know uh, his name though probably would know it Sebastian <laughs> true you're right um, it's authored by Abdul Kadim Hawk and Dai Soto Sato. it features art of Hawk Leo Rodriguez, Alan Oldham, Hector Rublar Leonardo Bondem, Danielle Oliveira and Milton Estevan so a lot of people working on this. That's a big ass team. That's a nice. That's a nice list of people too. Those a lot. Some of those names are familiar to you. Yeah, especially the um, uh, where 
sorry, now I'm looking at <laughs> now I'm looking at the actual like <laughs> he's like after like, he's like we we're like just witnessing him um ordering it online. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Um uh you said R- Rivera. Um where is it? Sorry about that. Daniel uh, 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 Oliveras. Oliveras. Um, I I recognize that name. Um, And see, now this is just a question. See, I I really wish I had the capability of retaining more than like 10 sentences (laughs) worth of information. (laughs) Because I feel like the fact that name sticks out to me means it probably... Is something related to and like kind of and like apparently this comic book was like it has the full support of of Gerald Donald and Helen Stinson, who is James Stinson's mother. Um, so it's legit. It's legit. Like the actual group is behind it. Got that um, stamp of approval. They got the stamp of approval, which makes me wonder. Like you know, other people. I mean, they're actually, I mean, this comic book is actually tackling the mythology itself, like fleshing it out. Right. Um, But other people using it as a, as a vehicle and device, you know, maybe not so much having to go through Gerald Donald and and Helen Stenson. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like there's so much more that you could do with it than Wakanda. And I really want more people to be aware of Drexia. I want more Black people to know that technical, techno was made by Black people. Um, I definitely, I mean, you know, and it's like a, that's like a regional thing, right? Like, awareness of certain things, unless you are yeah. privy, unless you're privy to, you know, what else is happening in the nation at times. Because I know, like, at times, me, like, me and Marcel will be together and we'll be listening to music. And I'm like, oh, do you know this song? And he's like, no, this is some Houston stuff. I don't know what that is. Right? <laughs> he was like, I've never heard this before in my life. And I'm like, this song is older than you. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, you know, so, like, I, I imagine that there are people, Black people who don't know that techno, techno, I keep saying techno co techno is black music it is black at its core um and at its roots and so you know it's it's gone the way of a lot of genres like house house music also house music um is from chicago as we know Mm. um a lot of you know europeans get their hands on it and they make all these other things edm dubstep all that uh, like tr- trance <laughs> yeah like all of that stuff um which i mean okay but no <laughs> <laughs> like uh, what's not jamie has spoken <laughs> but i know you weren't really familiar with drexia before i mentioned it on this podcast um before no. I it for a show idea for the podcast so what was your i mean your overall thoughts I mean, we've been talking about it kind of consistently but still i mean I, I think part of it was really just the excitement i had to take something new in especially because there's not very i can't think of very many like 
small ecosystems or worlds where these like black characters can exist and like black narratives that get explored. And this is also just a more it's it's definitely a creative way to, to do that. Because um, I think the last time I thought about like a quote unquote like black community within media that I consumed a lot was thinking about um growing up watching and reading like Static Shock and a mm-hmm. bunch of all those other like uh those heroes that came out of the Dakota verse, like D- DC scooped them up and were like, we're gonna, these are ours, but like they, they only, every time they have to use them, they, every time they use them, they have to pay a certain amount to the, cause that, that, that company went under and could only publish. They didn't have enough to really c- create their own um, material anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't see those characters and you don't see that city. Like the city, it, it, I think the, the, the Dakota verse was like, they, it's based off of in some ways New York and other and like in like Chicago and cities like that. Like it's kind of this mishmash. Mm-hmm. But it's been such a long time since I've seen like b- b- black characters explored and, and black stories kind of brought to a they're not just like, oh, look, this is for diversity. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, oh, like a like a. The idea of, I feel like I always come back to like Spider-Man, but the idea of, I don't have to look under a mask to see an interesting story. Like this char- these characters and these, and, these, and these narratives are out in the forefront. This is just a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just explores things that are so much richer than like, I fell into radioactive waste. <laughs> 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 oh no. Or, you know, like Wakanda having like vibranium and like this special drink that makes the Black Panther have his strength, whereas these people ed- adapt it to living underwater. That's um, to uh, <laughs> this, I know the scientific term is that's baller. Um, <laughs> 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 like, what you mean? Forget about, forget, forget all about. Uh, vibranium all right ooh. metal shield uh that the white man took <laughs> <laughs> you can't take my gills or my freedom exactly um, and so i you know while you were talking it gave me the idea for like you know another like another comic series similar like this is it doesn't exist yet i'm making it up as i'm talking um like the bite, like they call like Jesse of the deep sea dwellers. Like what if you had like the bayou dwellers, mm. like people who live in the, especially, especially cause I'm thinking about how New York takes precedent in a lot of um, comic books. Um, a, they the just East, love New York. The East coast in general is a lot of, a lot of our storytelling in the U S is about the East coast. It's about New York occasionally i mean west coast i mean they'd be kind of going back and forth with each other but for the most part most stories take place i i feel what seems to me and i noticed this a lot growing up um on the on the east coast i mean there's the exception of chicago sometimes being a backdrop for a story but for a lot of narratives that are told it's it's always about the east coast which i mean i get those are the original 13 colonies, the original, like, that was, 
you know, like that was your colonialism year. is showing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Colonial America, like ain't nothing past the Mississippi ass head America. <laughs> like that's exactly that's exactly what it is, right? But there's so many more stories to tell. Like I somewhere along the line, um, as we were talking in this episode, I thought about Robert Johnson, the blues musician, mm. and the mythology around him. And how are you familiar with Robert Johnson? Very, very loosely. <laughs> Same. I've heard Same. I've heard of Robert Johnson. Same. But there is a Netflix documentary called Devil at the Crossroads. A Robert John a Robert Johnson story. I have not watched it, but I remember I saved it because mm. I wanted to watch it. The mythology around Robert Johnson is that. He is so good. He was so good at the guitar because he sold his soul to the devil. Oh. Right? That he went to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil. And so to me, that particular mythology, I'm like, that needs to be fleshed out a little bit more for me personally, because there's something the crossroads is not an evil place, like in African mythology. It is the meeting point of the physical, the spirit, spirit world. Right, mm-hmm. is at the crossroads. This is where everything converges, like the sacred and the profane. Everything come converges at the crossroads, and so it's a spiritually heightened place. But to say, you know, oh, he went to crossroads. He sold his soul to the devil. That's why. That's why he played the guitar so good. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I just. I want. I want that fleshed out more. Like I want that to. Um, I want someone to take Robert Johnson's story and retell it through a more Afrocentric lens because I think so much of it, like blues music, I mean, blues music, yes, was being consumed by black people, but yeah. white people were also like, you know, consuming it as well. Oh yeah. And so part of, you know, the mythology and stuff like that around it, I mean, I mean, this is kind of like going into this whole, like the Disney, not Disneyfication, but like, um, Hollywoodization of like African spirituality, like voodoo. pushing it into like the mainstream. Yes, and it's this evil, dark thing, and like, but it's attractive to to white people in some way. Like, it's I just I really want another t- telling of his story, right? And why is everything that they don't know about either an alien did it or it's evil? That's a great question. I don't know. It's like they have no imagination past that. I don't. I don't know. Like there's so many other there's so many other options. <laughs> they're they're really <laughs> and they're much easier to come. There's other conclusions to come to. Exactly. I mean, you say that makes me think of what is that show on um it's either History Channel or Nat Geo, like uh... <laughs> Ancient Aliens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Every every week oh for about god. an hour and some change, white people be saying every reason except a black person made this or like a a non-white person made this right like the whole there's like the whole thing like the the nazca lines in south america like indigenous people made those lines they're like but how could they have known what it was gonna look like it you can only see it from above like why were they doing this and it's like Okay, well, maybe if you hadn't like tried to kill everybody, you would have found out why they was doing it. Like, you know, if you had asked a question, if you had asked first instead of like just showing up here guns a blazing and talking about working this silver mine and do this and like, 
get the no <laughs> please 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 it makes me think of uh <laughs> have you seen i feel like at some point of I forced you to, or maybe you've seen it online. Uh, Eric, Eric Andre um, has this because that man's crazy. I love him, but he is he is a he is a wild man. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a video where during the show he shoots his co-host Hannibal, and then this mystery music plays, and he's like, "Who who shot Hannibal?" I've seen that. <laughs> I've and seen that's what it feels like when, when, when like, white historians are just like, and then we don't know. What do you mean? You, like, you erase the footprints in the sand. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of um, unprogramming we have to do as, as people, as all people. Like, we talked about divesting from whiteness in the last episode. We really, we, everybody needs to do it. Because it's not, it's not helping us. I mean, it's only helping those really wealthy people. And you see that they're not helping us. I mean, sure, such and such may donate X amount of money to um, a charity here and there. But, like, you know, do the people who are actually, you know, that's supposed to be helping, do they actually see that, that money? Or is that money going to, like, operational costs of mm. funding of, like, this charity? You know? Like, so... Where's that active change? Where's that impact? Right. So you can make all kinds of arguments for like, they do all kinds of like charity work and things like that. Well, you know, charities aren't, I'm not trying to like, they do good work, but they also have staff that they have to pay. Mm -hmm. So if they're gonna, if they're thinking about like, oh, what services we're going to provide, some of them are going to pay their staff first. They're not, you know, I mean, that's just how some of them operate. It's it's unfortunate that they're put in that position, but also some of them probably went into it for that mindset in the in the beginning. Like nothing is just like exactly. in that regard. So yeah, there there just got there has to be a lot of like divesting from whiteness, and part of that also has to do with our storytelling and like mm -hmm. how we frame us, how we frame narratives and what they mean, like what they can do and what they can't do in that context. Like, it's not just enough to to take like a Captain America or like a, a James Bond and go black person put them in there, right? There, there's more. There's more. Like, like, like you were saying, it's not. Um, or it's in the. I guess in the. You could you could possibly phrase this like, it's not just divulging away from going away from like the the whiteness and the whiteness within storytelling, but then replace that with something of substance exactly. don't just like stop <laughs> no more no more no more movies no more books no more no more music yeah i think you know there's so there's that's a, the really wonderful thing about afrofuturism like there's so much like just hope for the future and other ways mm. of doing things like parafictions and like speculative fiction like all or like fab, fabula, fabulation is like this this way of like creating um stories that maybe it's real maybe it's not real that's the whether whether or not it's true or not is not the point of it the point of it is what it's getting across to you mm. and I, I think that's a really interesting way to to look at the world um I was trying to remember there was, I went to a talk once at the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston, 
um, and there was an art historian there named Krista Thompson. And during this lecture, I didn't realize what she was doing in this lecture. This lecture was also, I feel like, a bit of a performance art as well, because parafic, like creating parafictions does that in some ways. Um, where she presented this, this, this artist, this Black artist who had been overlooked, and she re gave us like these images that look like they were like documentary images of his sculptures and things like that and like him at different social functions in the background like not being acknowledged and some of it was real and some of it was not like some of it was things that she had generated and i was like i was sitting there in that chair i was like what <laughs> wait what <laughs> What am I like? What am I? What ha what just happened? Like how much we just trust? You walk into a space and you just trust that whatever this person is telling you is going to be true. Like there is a, white supremacy is always in some way looking for truth, or not the truth, but shaping a truth. I would say. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, whereas this was just like this is like some something completely different, and I was just kind of like, oh, oh, this is. This is interesting. As I'm a, being engaged in a different way. Yeah, like you really had to think about it. It wasn't like this kind of, okay, that was cute. I learned something new. It was like, this is not only like the person she was talking about was a real person, but like to a, kind of recreate a history for this person, I think is, is really interesting. Like, I can't remember what I was watching, but there was... Oh, I know what I was watching. I'm so I'm in the middle of like also preparing like my syllabus and stuff to teach in a couple of weeks. Oh and yeah, we're both we're both teaching college. Um, and I was look I'm teaching a performance and video art class, and so I'm looking through different things and like I really want my class to be to consider all modes of performance and not just looking at the traditional canon of performance artists. And so I pulled. I was watching one of Hennessy Youngman's art talks oh. <laughs> videos. Hennessy. <laughs> and he is so good. He is so good. Like that is such a great like performance art piece, video art collection. Like it's still it's still it still feels relevant. <laughs> you oh know? no doubt. You know, and so I have that in my um in my list of things to show my students on the first day of class. Um but when I was looking at him, he was talking about, dang, my memory, y'all, I got to take some ginkgo biloba or something because <laughs> it's, it's escaping. <laughs> um, the thoughts, because the there's just so many things running together in my head. Where I was, where, 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 what were you, what was the last thing you said? Well, because the, just the idea of, um, you were talking about that the, at the MFA, mm -hmm. um, uh, and be engaging with sort of this like I guess in a way historical fiction and that's sort of the the idea that these other spaces these other these other stories like the the, the, the hinge of white supremacy is searching for truth and almost sometimes destructively doing so yes okay I remember so Hennessy Youngman has a video called um, Boys, Boy Z, which he talks about Joseph Boys and Jay Z, and the parallels between these two people who seem very disparate, but in the video he makes a good case for it, right? Mm. And in the in the video he's talking about like 
the building of a personal mythology, which that's exactly what Drexia did. But he talks about Joseph Huey's talking about how he was a German fighter pilot in World War II and he was shot down somewhere and like he survived by like the tar- the tartans like found him and like wrapped him in-, in felt and like fed him something and he was like saved. And like that, and like, you know, Youngman's like, that shit didn't really happen, but like, it don't matter. <laughs> he was like, it doesn't matter. It became a part of his mythology. It became a part of his allure, the mystique of who he is, right? Mm-hmm. He presented Jay-Z being shot at like a bunch of times or something. It was one particular story about Jay-Z. He was like, whether or not that actually happened, I mean, does it matter? I mean, it becomes a part of his his mythos, right? Like of who he is, this legend. Like this creation of this entity, right? It like, does those pages, no, absolutely. And so, you know, I think that, you know, the creation of these mythos, that's definitely, that's definitely something I feel happened a lot in the 20th century. I don't know so much about in this century um, because I'm thinking about, oh, what is her name? There was a black figure skater. Um, Oh, I'm googling it. It's Surya Bonnelly. Yeah, French, right? Or she's, I think she was, yeah, Surya Bonnelly. She was so her her trainer or her PR person. You know, they made up this whole weird backstory about her upbringing when she really like was from France, like that they had found her somewhere <laughs> in Africa, and like she had, you know, I don't know, you know. And, also, I'm thinking also about like Iman, the supermodel, like how she's they're like she was. Oh my god! They, she was a shepherdess or some mess like that. Both her parents are doctors. Like, what do you do? Like, you know, so there, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are times when like the building of a mythology behind a person can be very. It's it's very much a racialized thing at at times in which you're trying to sell this exotic aspect of this person, playing on people's colonial dreams and colonial desire. Um, and so th- in those cases, it doesn't work. But I think in the case of like Drexia, it works fantastic, yeah. right? Like, well, because I think it's it, it's it's sort of again in that same way. Like when you for for because of those other examples, like the, the sort of for the, the the for the colonial audience, for the white audience, for the for the the audience that consumes, but through the filter of. of of white supremacy for most of the media, they 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 seek the destruction of the original self. Whereas like Drexia is like this, it's like a phoenix. It's like reborn. It's like it's growing something new. Mm-hmm. It's so removed already from from attachment to to the uh the I guess the sort of self self serving or like the the sob story sort of feeling other other things have. Yeah, it, it completely diverges from the slave ship. It like goes a whole nother direction. And I think that that provides a lot of like, I think hope and inspiration for people in that regard. You know, a lot of people have are, have a hard time. A lot of black people um, have, a, if you don't, if you don't grow up, I think with people telling you how to think about the slave trade, um, and how to feel about like because we're, we're we're kind of shaped to to view it a certain way, right? Like, yeah, it is a tra- it is a tragedy, absolutely. But if you're not careful in how you're teaching it to people, you could make black people feel as if like, oh, 
woe is me, these horrible things happened to me. And they were very horrible. But I remember my aunt, when I was very little, she told me, she was like, you should never be ashamed of it. Because first of all, it's not a shame to bear. Like we didn't sign up for it, you know, you know, contrary to what, you know, he who should not be named said, like, it was not a <laughs> Um, it was not a choice. And I remember yeah. her also saying like, you should never, you know, don't be ashamed because in order for you to be here, to sit here for the two of us to sit here and do this podcast, someone had to survive. Someone had to make it through all of that. And you should be proud that they made it. Not proud that they were slaves, but proud that they still, that they had the resilience and the strength to get through. Because people jump, I mean, we, with Drexia, we talk about the women who are thrown overboard, but there are also people who jumped as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had the foresight to know, like, this is not looking good. Like, we, we've been on this ocean for three, four months. I don't want to go wherever we're heading. Exactly. Like, th- you would think, like, it can't get any worse, but I'm sure some of them had the foresight to know, like, it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to get a lot worse. And so some people jumped. Some people, of course, were thrown overboard as, you know, with the myth with, with Drexia, but some people also jumped. And so, and then, you know, you have Ebo Landing where you have a group committing mass suicide together because they're like, oh, hell no, we're not doing this. Right? So, not it. <laughs> no, like they took one look around. They're like, oh, we're going home. Walk straight into the water. Walk straight back into the water. Like, we're going home. Like, no, we're not doing that. So, you know, and I, in those cases, and I'm not like trying to make suicide, like not trying to glorify suicide because I know there are people who actually struggle with mental health or anything like that. But I think this is, this is like the different like suicide, like when it comes to like war and like people not wanting to be captured and like, mm-hmm. because you know, you're going to face something worse if they capture you. Right. Because like the, the destruction of your destruction of yourself and verse, I think it's a, it's a spiritual question. Because like it, it it's would you rather see the destruction of your body or your humanity? Hmm. And it that's a hard question because it really depends on what you believe. Right. So I think yeah, I think that you know if you're if people aren't careful like how they talk talk about the slave trade, like you will not leave with a sense of pride in your in the fact that your ancestors made it that they survived like you could feel very angry about mm. you know it, i kind of i'm thinking about like when roots first aired on television oh my god and like how like you hear all the stories about black, black kids going to the school the next day <laughs> being mad being mad and like beating up white kids like i i really think of that like you could be really angry and you should be angry you should be angry because stuff that our ancestors went through it was horrendous, absolutely like, horrendous. Like you should definitely be angry. That circles back to in in some ways, like how do you, the question of how do you get a killmonger? Exactly. <laughs> is exactly. Is the unpented anger and not like processing of other of other options, right? Other options of 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 uh, dealing with um, trauma, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you process trauma? Like, anger is easy, and I'm I'm not, and by no means do I want to discount that as an as a valid feeling and emotion. Mm-hmm. But it is easy to just stay angry, to stay mm-hmm. in anger. It does not feel good. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure those of you, we've all been angry at some point in our lives about something. It does not feel good in the body. To me, it doesn't. Like, it does not feel good in my body to just be angry all the time. Um, but you have to start looking for other ways to process your emotions, looking at other perspectives. That's why other narratives are important. They give us mm. other ways of looking at the world and processing it from a different angle. You know, like we can look at, we can have two black black utopias, right? Like I think there's space for Wakanda and Drexia to exist in the same sphere, right? I may not like how Wakanda handled isolationism and how they handle Eric, but I do I am glad it exists as as this Afrofuturist dream, but I don't want it to be the only option because it's not our only option at all. We can make some new shit. Oh no, no, absolutely. And I think <laughs> that's I think the illusion the illusion that there is only um select choices and that we can't generate our own uh other other alternatives or even seek to connect those other alternatives in some way. That's just it's an illusion. Have all the flavors. Eat it all, enjoy it all. Yeah, there's space for all of it. Like there's no need this act of like compartmentalizing things, naming things, identifying, like putting them off and like, this has to be here, this has to be here, and this has to be there. Like that's unnecessary. Very, it's unnecessary. It's very colonial, like the act of naming and classifying things, right? You know, like let things kind of blend together and see what happens and merge. What happens if there is a comic book that is a mash of Wakanda and Drexia? Like I said before, how would these two places interact with each other? How would they handle each other, right? Like, would it be all in, like, brotherhood and, like, friendship and, and Black love? Or, or, or is Drexia going to hold Wanda, Wakanda, like, look, y'all, depending on where, where we are in Wakanda's history, like, if we're post no. the movie or pre Black Panther movie, like, where, you know, how are they going to handle them? Also, how is how would Wakanda view, that's a really good, how would Wakanda view Drexia? Goodness. Because there has to be, there. there's no way there wouldn't be some form of disagreement with, like, even the idea of, like, pe- people going into the ocean, like, jumping into the ocean or being thrown into the ocean. And then growing removed of i guess in some way the the threat of invasion but then also i I could totally imagine like (laughs) citizens of wakanda or people from wakanda being like y'all were on a boat Mm, couldn't be me just like hold hold on wait i can see fights happening so quickly (laughs) like like arguments but there's a i don't know are you gonna write it jamie Am I going to write it to write the comic book for Drexia and Wakanda? Can't wait to read it. A meeting, a meeting. It could be the new, okay, it could be the new Pan-African, um, uh, na- the, I forgot what it was like. It was a conference, the pan- first Pan-African conference happened like the Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be the new, um, the new version of it. It would be like, it would, I would want it to take place underwater though, because I, I really want to see what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like, it has to be like in Drexia's like capital city or something. It would, I'm here it would, for it. 
I'm ten thousand percent here for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess we're at a good place to stop this episode. Um, what a what a trip! <laughs> I feel educated. I feel invigorated. I have no money because I have purchased the things we've discussed. Did you? Do? <laughs> No, oh. it's in the car. I'm really it's I'm in the glad. car. Okay. I'm counting in my head. My bank account is not gonna be uh losing me. So I'm gonna need a uh good 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 time to to good time for me to to uh mention that this show we do uh if you if you've been listening, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um we do have uh the occasional ad in here. Um, but another way you can also support the show is there are options to be able to support it financially. Uh, and there's like different tiers and, um, I've been, I've been brainstorming some different, uh, things for people who, who want some like, "Mm, I want some extra, I want some left, I want some, uh, some dessert, uh, to go with my, to go with my feast. Uh, I think the lowest level of it was like 99 cents and it's like a monthly thing, but we got we got some we got some good uh we got some good stuff here. And uh, you know, there's ways to the ways to support us. Um Yes, because you no know, teachers don't make no whole bunch of money. We don't make a lot of money. <laughs> we do not. And uh and, and we are educating. We're educators, <laughs> we are artists, you know. So, you know, both fields that do not often make a lot of money. But you know, you you can be the change. You, you can be the change. You, you, you can, you can defeat white supremacy um, by giving okay. black people money. Just do yeah. it. <laughs> give it directly to give. Yeah, give if you. If you exactly. You're looking for a way to directly impact the black community. We are members of the black community. Directly impact our lives. Um, no, I, I joke. I kid. But um. Thank, thank you very much for for giving me uh, an in depth window into into Drexia. You're quite welcome, young sir. It was a lot of fun. I've always wanted to talk about Drexia, but like nobody knows. Like, nobody knows. <laughs> like, they're like, okay, you're being weird. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no one wants to talk about that thing. Like, I don't know what that is. It sounds cool, but I don't know what that is. You said eczema. See, look. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Drexia, Drexia is a is a beautiful a beautiful black utopia, and uh, more people should know about. Yeah, I would love to see more creative projects centering around it. Oh my goodness! Who knows? Maybe I might do something. We'll see what life. Will be. I'm telling you, I was being I wasn't even joking when I said you gonna write it. You gonna do something? <sighs> I mean, look. Shake it up, Jamie. Do it. We'll see if I, I get there. Because you know what? Like comic book, writing a comic book, it is a team effort. Like you need lots of people involved. And I'm definitely open to working with more people to do that. Because, you know, like it's not, like you can't, you just can't do it on your own. If you want to do it really well, I, I will. Okay. There are probably are people who have done it really well on their own. I, those people are the exception. But I think having a team of people working together to create the story, I think is really, is really great. So it would just be like, who would I work with? What's that team? What's that dream team look like? Yeah. For me? No, no, no. Yeah. 
who knows? I don't know. We'll see. But I would be curious. I want to, you know, you guys, we also have a Twitter. We do, we do. Follow us on Twitter. When you listen to episodes, tweet at us. Let us know what you what you thought of the episode. Um, you can also. It's, uh, you can it's also, at where I see me on, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. At where I see me. All one word. Um, you can also leave reviews of the episode, can you not? You can, you can, you can um on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor. You can you can even leave voice messages with Anchor, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So we can always be like, "What did they say last time?" And I can I can splice it up into the episode. Exactly, really. you may hear yourself on our episode, so you know, leave us a voice message. Oh, and a quick quick shout out to we now you might have heard you might have heard it on the second episode <laughs> or the previous one before that, but we have uh, some outro music <laughs> that we get to utilize now. Look at us, so professional. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, why don't we talk about it by Playdate, awesome band, fellow sci-fi lovers. Uh, make sure to check them out. Um, but. Uh, what what what's the what's that uh what's that American phrase they say? Uh, all that being said, all that being said, I think we're at the end of our time, and so. My name is Marcellus, and I'm Jamie. Stay nerdy and stay black. <laughs>